All right. For today, uh, we're going to talk about rules. Who's excited to talk about rules? Uh, it's everyone's favorite part about church, and some people are actually kind of excited about that. Okay. Uh, and we'll, we'll see why in a second. Uh, so when we talk about rules, uh, there's at least two categories of people in this room. Uh, there are rule keepers and rule benders. Uh, uh, how many of you consider yourself a rule keeper? You love to just keep rules. You love it. Okay. How many of you are a little more of like a rule bender? It's like it's a guideline. It's a, uh, I, I, we'll dive into this a little bit more because uh, it kind of depends on the subject. Okay. So let's go first. Speed limit. Okay. How many of you see a speed limit? You're like, hey, it's that's the speed limit. I mean, I don't even have to go that fast. I mean, I, I mean, I could go 23, I could go 20, you know, but like, well, I am not going above that because someone has spent a lot of time figuring out that's the limit. How many of you guys are rule keepers when it comes to speed limit? Yeah, all right. How many of you guys are like rule benders a little bit? You're okay. Uh, uh, all right, uh, next category, uh, health. Uh, I don't know where this uh, sheet came from. I'm assuming some elementary school classroom at some point. Uh, but you could go to almost any doctor and you could ask these same questions of what does it look like to live healthy? And they would talk about brushing your teeth and practicing sports and have a diet and take showers and get vaccinated, wash your vegetables and fruits, washing before you eat, sleeping early, getting that eight hours of sleep. So when it comes to like those health guidelines that all of us at some point would nod and be like, no, I know I'm supposed to floss every day and brush my teeth. I'm supposed to eat eight hours. How many of you are rule keepers? Really? Pretty good. Uh, And how many of you guys are rule benders a little bit? You're like, yeah, six hours of sleep is probably fine. Four, two, okay. Uh, And last one, I think this one's going to show us a lot about the different people that you're sitting next to. Uh, Expiration dates. So when you look at that number on the milk or the meat or whatever, uh, how many of you are rule keepers? Wow. And how many of you guys are like, you're sniff testing and you're like, okay, that, I think it's okay. Like, I, I, I like sour milk. That's, that's not bad. All right. We'll come back to all that. Uh, today, we are in a series that we started back in September, and we're going all the way till Christmas, and we're talking about uh, just the first couple pages of the Bible. Uh, we're talking about Genesis 1, 2, and 3, all the way until Christmas. And the reason why we are talking about this is because uh, we're big fans of the Bible, and we believe that the Bible is it's a collection of 66 different books. Uh, but even though it's kind of this collection of books, it's actually a unified story. Uh, and in that unified story, you see that God had a plan, that something when he originally created the world, something he wanted to do, something has obviously gone wrong when we look at the news, when we look at the things going around, like we hope this isn't the plan that God originally had. And God has an answer. And what's important is that the answer that God gives is the idea it's going to bring us back to God's original plan. The part of, and we'll talk about this more when we get to our next series, which won't be until January, but the part of what God wants to do, the good news, the gospel of what church is all about, what Jesus came to bring, is to say the plan that God originally had. It seems like it's like it's so far gone when you look at the world around us. The part of the good news is that the plan is still possible. That the plan that God originally had for this world, the plan that God originally had for our environment, the, God, the plan that God originally had for humanity the plan that God originally had for you 
that plan is still possible. And no matter how broken and fallen it seems like, it just seems like it's so far away that it's still possible. Uh, But for us to really understand just what an amazing thing it is for us to be able to get back to that plan, we have to have a good understanding of what exactly that original plan was. And so we've been spending a lot of time, uh, we've looked at Genesis 1 and 2 so far, we're going to stay in Genesis 2 today, and talking about what that original plan of God's was. Uh, So a little bit of review. Uh, We talked about uh, a couple weeks ago that part of God's original plan was that God created a very good world. Uh, And we said that he intentionally used that idea of a very good world, that it wasn't a perfect world. Because when we think, uh, in our English anyways, when we think of perfect, we think of sterile, we think of static, we think, you know, God created this perfect little snow globe and it was, you know, never supposed to like change from that. But that's not what God did. God created a world that was set, that was very, very good, but the idea was that it was supposed to expand. It was supposed to get better, that in size, the garden was supposed to grow, that the amount of trees, that the amount of people, uh, and then as far as creativity, beauty, innovation, scientific discovery, villages and cities and towns and communities and families and interaction. And God had this like big plan of like where he wanted all of creation to go. And he didn't just snap his fingers and make all that to begin with. He created this very good world with all this hope and potential with the idea that it would get better and better and better. Uh, Which then brings the question, how was God going to make the world better and better and better? And of course, he's God, and so he could just snap his fingers and make it happen himself. But that's not what God did. God intentionally decided to to make the world better by partnering with humanity. Uh, So we talked a few weeks ago that God created us in his image, and he created, he wanted to partner with us to make the world into a better place. And there's at least two ways that God wanted to partner with us to make this world into a better place. And that that's that God wanted to partner with us in rest, and God wanted to partner with us in work. God wanted to rest with us, and he wanted to make the world into a better place. Uh, There it is. And there's uh, kind of a phrase that we've used around that is this idea of flourishing. Uh, And there's a, a great example of kind of what this looks like of God's original plan for humanity actually in this room right now. Uh, So uh, later on today, at 4 o'clock today, we are having a middle school and high school uh, event here with all of our middle school, high school kids. And so if you are a middle school, high school kid, if you know of a middle school, high school kid, then uh, make sure you're here at 4 o'clock today. And we are going to have kind of a two-pronged event. Uh, So for the first part of the event, uh, you see all those paper towels and toilet paper and all that kind of stuff back there. Uh, They are going to assemble hundreds of individual bags full of paper goods. And the idea is that those paper goods, uh, it's in partnership with an organization around the corner here on Washington Avenue called Grassroots Givers. And so when uh, an individual or a family is moving from a shelter uh, or maybe a hotel or what kind of whatever their temporary living condition is, when they're moving into a more permanent uh, location, apartment, house, whatever that might look like, they're going to gift them this bag of paper products. Because when you move into your own house, you might need some toilet paper and some tissues and some paper towels. And so our teens are going to work together because they want to, the idea is that 
God wants to make the world into a better place. God thinks that everyone should not only have their own house, but when they have their own location, they should have all the paper products that they need. And part of how God wants to partner with humanity is by helping us kind of rule the world together to make it into a better place. That's the first part of the event. The second part of the event is we are going to do a pumpkin Olympics. That's what all the pumpkins are back there for. And so we're going to have a pumpkin stacking competition. We're going to have a pumpkin chucking competition. Uh, we're going to have a pumpkin decorating competition and just all kinds of zany, crazy things. And the reason why is because we believe that God is all about fun and enjoyment and just something about tossing a pumpkin. Just like, and, and so part of God's original plan this is what we're going to talk to the teens about tonight is that God created you to make the world into a better place. And God created you to have fun and to enjoy. And when you're doing that, then you are helping the world flourish and that you yourself are flourishing. Uh, so it's a little bit of review. And then today, we're going to add the idea that, again, part of God's plan of how God originally wanted the world to be is that it's going to expand, it's going to get better and better and better. God wants to do it through us, and God's going to give us rules. The part of God's original idea is that there's going to be rules and commands that we need to follow. Uh, here's what it says in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 2 is where we're at today. So the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man. So he's in this garden. It's going to get better and better and better. God wants him to flourish. And now God is going to give him commands. Uh, so, question that we might ask, why is God giving us commands? Why is part of God's original plan for us to have rules? Uh, and depending on your upbringing, uh, depending on maybe your uh, relationship with religion or church growing up, there might be some like initial knee-jerk reactions to that question. Uh, the first is maybe what you think of is God gives rules because of control, uh, God is kind of this, like, big, and, like, God really has this, he wants to, like, manipulate, and God wants to, like, move people around, and God wants to just regularly remind people, I'm in charge, you're not, so you're going to do what I say. Uh, and I get that kind of an idea. Uh, we had some friends uh, growing up, and they were a part of a church-ish, it was kind of more of like a cult, and uh, they, in their, in their practice, they had to go to, to service every single day, seven days a week. They had to, like, kind of report back to the building. And if you were going to miss a certain day of reporting to the building, you had to get special permission from the pastor or whatever they called them uh, if you were going to be away. So you were going to be on vacation, work, something like that. And they could, like, say yay or nay. So it was like, hey, we're going to go uh, for Thanksgiving and go visit our family. And the pastor could say, no, I don't think you are. I think you need to be here in this building. Uh, they had to give money to the church, uh, which you know, we encourage generosity. Uh, but in that church, you had to hand in every year your W-2 so that way they could check to make sure that you were giving enough money. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're considering it. We'll see. Uh, not. There was lots of rules about uh, what you could wear and what you could not wear, what you could eat, what you could not eat. And when you looked at all the rules, it seemed like it seemed random. It seemed like arbitrary. It seemed like these rules aren't, like, helpful. These just seem like these are rules just about, like, trying to, like, have someone 
control a group of people and to exercise that control? And is that why God gives us rules? And I don't think that it is. Uh, another is uh, that God gave us rules and commands just to kind of like be a buzzkill and to like kill fun and to make sure that we're not like having. Uh, and that's a little bit of like my story. Uh, I was never told that explicitly growing up, but it was kind of this thing like you caught in the air a little bit uh, because there was lots of rules that we would talk about. Uh, I've said before, one of the rules that we would discuss growing up was that you're not supposed to drink, swear, or chew or, or go with girls who do. That's how it went. Yeah, drink, swear, chew, or go with girls who do. Uh, and it, the problem was that you would like look around at like all my friends at school, you know, and it looked like all the people that were drinking and swearing and chewing and going with it. It looked like they were all having a lot of fun. And then you would look at like the folks that were like in church on a Sunday night and they're just like, they seem just kind of serious and mean and going critical. And it's like, it seems like all the people out there are having fun and we're having all these rules that are about preventing us from having fun. And is that really why God gives us rules? Is to try to, you know, like take away our fun? And no, I don't think at all. Uh, and then the last one is, does God give us rules to kind of keep score? Uh, and the idea with this is that uh, God has some, like, pretty good, like, power and some pretty good, like, prizes that he has to offer. Uh, and so uh, God can give blessing. Uh, and so God has the ability to, like, make good things happen to your life uh, or, to, I guess, to make bad things happen in your life. Uh, that eventually someday when you're going to die, uh, you could like, go to heaven, you could go to hell. And so part of the reason of why God gives rules is that that way he can, like, see, like, okay, who should I give blessing to? And you can kind of see who's, like, doing well on the rules, you know, who gets to go to heaven, who's going to go to hell. And you've got to kind of use the rules to decide who's going to go which place. Uh, or... One of the things that uh, I was kind of presented uh, throughout my life is the idea that maybe the reason why God gave us rules is to, like, show us, like, okay, here's all the things I want you to do. And, like, kind of from the beginning, it was just, like, impossible. Like, there's no way anybody could keep those rules. And so part of the reason of why God gave us rules is so that we would, like, try, and then we would fail, and we'd be like, oh, like, I'm such, like, a terrible person. God would be like, I know you're a terrible person. You did so bad on the rules. And then God would, like, present us with, like, some sort of, like, good news of how we could be saved from that. And is that why God presented commands and rules to us? Uh, and I think it's better than that. Uh, to cut to uh, the end, here's why I think God gave us rules and what we'll talk about today. Is God gave us rules and commands because of love and because of flourishing. God gave us rules and commands because he loves you and because when he looks at you, he wants you to flourish he wants our city to flourish. He wants our world to flourish. That God's original plan is to create a world that's going to get better and better and better. And God's going to create people in his image that he loves. And so how God is going to make this world expand and grow is by giving us commands because he loves us and because he wants us to flourish. Uh, and we'll dive more into that. Uh, so uh, let's look at the first command. So there's two commands in Genesis chapter 2. These are the very first two commands uh, in the Bible anyways that God gave people. Uh, so it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man. And then here's the first command. And this kind of like surprised me, honestly. Uh, 
One of the great things about reading the Bible, studying the Bible, is sometimes like you can read a verse all kinds of times, and like all of a sudden something new will pop in. And I think even like a couple months ago, if you would have asked me, what's the first command, what's the first rule that God gave? I think I would have jumped to the second rule that we'll talk about in a few minutes about a tree that you're supposed to not eat from, and we'll talk about that. But that's not the first command that God gives. Here's the first command that God gives. It says, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. Command number one, here's what I want you to do. I want you to know you are free. I want you to look around at this garden I've made. And the idea when you look at the garden is that this place is big. Uh, there's at least four different rivers that run through it. That uh, while God wanted it to expand and get bigger and bigger, the initial this is a big place with lots of trees and lots of land. And so God said, I want you to look around and I want you to know you are free. And uh, I want you to know that you're free and I want you to eat. Uh, and I underlined eat because uh, in the Hebrew there, it actually repeats the word twice. And so like a literal translation would be, uh, you are free to eat, eat. Uh, which is a way for the writer to be able to underscore, like, I want to look at all this amazing fruit. I, I want you to eat it. I want you to enjoy it. Uh, and I want you to do this from any tree in the garden. So kind of the first command is built on this idea that I want you to enjoy this world that I've created you. And I think this is a big deal, for, first command for a lot of us in this room. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about the idea of Sabbath and that God wants us to have a day each week that we just get to rest and relax and delight. Uh, and in the conversations that I've had with individuals, individuals I've had in our community groups, is that many of us are just really, really terrible at this. Uh, that it's a hard thing for us just to stop and actually enjoy. It's a hard thing for us to like just enjoy the house that we live in and not feel like we need to work on it and worry about it. That's a hard thing for us just to enjoy our kids and not just feel like we need to, like, you know, like, be like working and doing stuff all the time. That's a hard thing for us just to enjoy our coworkers or enjoy our office or just to enjoy our yard or whatever it might look like. That we just, I've heard people say that they feel guilty sometimes. The idea of just like stopping and resting and taking a nap. Like I, I feel like I haven't deserved it. I feel like there's so much more I need to do. And we just don't feel like that we are free to really enjoy the things around us. Uh, sometimes we just feel like that maybe because of some things we've done in our lives, that we don't feel like that freedom to be able to just really enjoy and delight. And so I think it's very big that God tells us and tells us still today that one of the first commands that you need to do, because I love you, because I want you to flourish, is you need to take time to look at the things around you and actually enjoy them. Uh, and why does God do that? Uh, again, we look at the idea of the different rules. Is Why does God give commands? Does God give commands because he's trying to control us? I don't think so. Because from the very first command is this idea that I want you to be free. Uh, I want you to, the amount of like the high view of humanity that's presented in Genesis 1 and 2. That God wants us to have so much authority. God wants us to rule. We talked about it. He wants us to be priests. He wants us to be kings and queens. And he wants us to, like, we get to have so much choice of what we get to enjoy and what we get to do. And it's not about control. Uh, is it about the God wants us to prevent our fun? God, want, God is commanding us, 
Take time to have fun. Stop working so hard. Put the stupid email down and just actually relax. Uh, and is it to keep score? Uh, and we'll talk about that one more uh, in a second. So that's the first command uh, that God gives for us to, because he loves us, because he wants us to flourish, is God wants us to enjoy the things around you. Uh, and so before we go on, just let me ask, how's that going? How much are you taking time to enjoy the things around you? Uh, the little quick conversation that we have over and over again as we're getting coffee and stuff is, hey, how was your weekend gone? Uh, and maybe some of us had to work all weekend, I don't know, but have you en- God gave you a weekend. Have you taken time to enjoy it? Uh, you got an extra hour of sleep last night, uh, unless you have little kids and they didn't get the memo. But it, did you enjoy that? How are you doing on enjoying this world that God gives you? Because God has given you a rule, a command, that he wants you to enjoy and be free. Uh, then here's uh, the second rule then. Uh, it says, you are free. Uh, you must not eat. Sorry. And the Lord commanded the man... And you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And this might be the rule that um, most of us thought of, at least I would have thought of as the first rule. Uh, and so this uh, rule brings up uh, a handful of different interesting questions that we'll talk about a lot over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but at least one of the questions is, is kind of, why did God put a tree in the middle of all these other trees that could kill us? Uh, what exactly is God doing? What, 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 what is this tree about, and what does it mean? Uh, and we'll talk about a couple different things. Uh, and the first reason of why I think and why lots of other Bible scholars think that God put, of all these trees, you're free to eat of all of these. Why did God put this one tree and kind of put limits on it and say, there's one thing that I don't want you to do? Uh, and the first reason is, is because God wanted to give us choice. Uh, again, the reason why God gives us rules and commands is not because he's trying to control us, but it's because God, from the very beginning, wants to give us the ability to choose. Because part of what God's trying to do is not just trying to create a bunch of machines that will do whatever he wants. God wants to create relationship with other people. Uh, and here's what God knows, and here's what all of us know is that love equals choice, and love equals freedom. Uh, A great uh, example of this, uh, there's a movie that came out uh, a couple years ago uh, called The Stepford Wives. Uh, It was actually, uh, so there was a book that was written like in the 70s that I haven't read, Uh, and then there was a movie that came out about the book in the 70s also that I haven't watched, but I did watch the remake, so I'm hoping that that's accurate. Uh, And so in at least the remake uh, with Matthew Broderick and uh, Nicole Kidman, the idea is that there's this town in Connecticut, uh, and in this town, Everything is just kind of like perfect, uh, including all of the wives in this village are quote-unquote perfect. And it's really kind of like the 1950s stereotypical, you know, very misogynistic kind of like vision of like what like a perfect wife should be. And so all the wives are like dressed, you know, beautifully all the time and their makeup's done perfectly all the time. And they, you know, they're cooking all the meals, you know, and the, the man gets home and, you know, he comes in and you're like, here's your slippers, honey, and here's your food. And how, most, how it works at most of your houses, I'm sure. And so they're just kind of doing everything that, like, these men in the village think that they want. Uh, but then kind of the tension in the movie 
is that there's all of these husbands and then like at least one wife who are kind of like holding up a yellow flag, red flag, like, whoa, like this isn't like good. Like I, I don't just want like a partner who's like doing everything I, I, I want them to do because, wait, wait, sorry, I missed an important part. They're all robots. That's why they're actually doing all of this stuff. Uh, they're not actually real people. And so they throw up this yellow red flag like, I, I don't, I don't want someone who's doing everything that I think I want because they have to, because it was programmed into them, because, like, they don't have any choice about it. Uh, I want someone who's, like, wanting to, like, you know, hang out with me and have dinner with me and, like, you know, do different things around the house and take me out on a date. I want someone to do that because they want to do that, because they've chosen to do that, not because they have to do it. Uh, and that's the same we know for all of our relationships. I mean, in some level, like, it, when our kids do something really great, when our spouse, when our partner, when our, when our parents, freedom is based on the idea. So love is based on the idea of freedom and choice. Uh, I love this uh, quote by uh, Rob Bell. Uh, Rob says this. He says, that's how love works. It can't be forced, manipulated, or coerced. It always leaves room for the other to decide. And so why did God put a tree in the middle of the garden that would have the ability to do so much harm? It's because if God just kind of like mandated that you have, here's all the rules and like we didn't really have a choice in it, then God would have created this like species of like machines. And God didn't want to create a, a species of machines. God wanted to create real, actual people who had the ability to decide, am I going to choose to love God or not? Uh, so speaking of that, uh, next reason of why uh, there was an off-limit uh, off tree is because of the idea of trust. As God wanted to give us a choice, and what he wanted to give us a choice in is are we going to trust God or not? Uh, and so here's what it says about the, this tree that they're not supposed to eat, is that it is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and lots of people have spilled a lot of ink about what exactly does that mean. Uh, and here's one of the main things that a lot of folks think that it means for this tree to be the knowledge of good and evil. Is it's asking this question, who gets to decide what is right and wrong? Who gets to determine the rules? Like when we're trying to figure out like what should we do here, who actually gets to make the call? Uh, or yeah, who gets to determine what exactly is right and wrong? Uh, and so to get us thinking about this, this is a question that we come into all the time in life because there's lots of different opinions that people have about what is right and wrong. Uh, so a couple of dumb examples before we get into some serious examples. So uh, dumb example number one, Christmas songs. Uh, people have a lot of opinions about what's right and what's wrong about when you should listen to Christmas music. And so some people say that it's okay to listen to Christmas music all year long, and those people are wrong. Uh, there's other people that say that you can start listening to Christmas music immediately after Halloween, which would be right now, and those people are also wrong. Uh, there's uh, one family, at least I knew, and they wouldn't start listening to Christmas music until Christmas Eve, uh, and they were also wrong. Uh, the, the correct answer, according to me, because I would like to be the person who chooses what is right and wrong, is you can start listening to Christmas music when the last dish is clean after Thanksgiving meal. So you eat Thanksgiving meal, you clean up, 
Once the last dish is cleaned up, which means in the cabinet, not on the, on the, on the uh, counter. I can't think of that word. Uh, that is, but who gets to actually decide what is right and wrong? Uh, another uh, stupid example, uh, thermostat. Uh, this might be a kind of a big thing for some of us over the last couple weeks. Uh, I know there's a question in some people's house about even when you should turn on the thermostat. Uh, I know at least one family that they set like a date. And so like, it doesn't matter how cold it is, until this date, we don't turn the thermostat on. Uh, I know there's some people, they keep the thermostat very low. So they're like wearing like stocking caps and like solar suits and stuff like in their house, you know, because they just keep their house so cold because they think that's the right way to keep the thermostat. Uh, we had some friends a couple years ago. Uh, they were from Jacksonville, Florida, but they were living up here for a couple years. She was originally from Puerto Rico, and she would keep the thermostat at 78 degrees and still sleep under an electric blanket. Uh, and so and you, this might actually be like a real discussion in some of your houses, so I don't want to like start any fights, but like what is, who gets to determine what is right and wrong of when you should turn your thermostat on? Uh, and now more serious. We think about the idea of flourishing. If that's what God's plan is for the world, who gets to determine what's really the best way for the world to flourish? What's really the best way for our city to flourish? What's the best way for your marriage to flourish? What's the best way for you to flourish? And there is lots of different opinions out there. Uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was in Barnes & Noble's, and I was uh, just walking around doing some work. And so this is one section. I don't know if you can see it. This is the personal growth section, uh, which is another way of saying the flourishing section. And so in this section, there is hundreds of books. I don't, I don't know. And that, that's not even the full. There's many more books, I'm sure, that have been written about personal growth. And so within there, there is certainly some agreement, but there is certainly lots of disagreement. Different ways in which people say, here's the way in which I think that you should best flourish. And who exactly gets to decide? And I think that's what was going on at the tree that day, is they were trying to ask, like, who gets to have the knowledge of good and evil? Who gets to actually be the person who decides what is right and what is wrong? Uh, and this is especially a big deal for people that are following God uh, or for many of us who are following Jesus, because often the way of Jesus, especially when it goes to how you should flourish in your life, is very different, is very countercultural than many of those books or other different, the way in which God says you should flourish with your money, what would be normal and is probably you should flourish by just getting more and more and more, and the more you accumulate, the more you have in your savings account, the more things you have, that's the way in which you flourish. But the way of God is presenting something very different. Uh, the way in which uh, you treat people who wrong you, uh, the way in which you uh, handle just a general feeling of like how much you should focus on yourself and being selfish and when it's like okay, and how much you should like intentionally be sacrificing and even losing for the benefit of others. Just the way of Jesus and God is just so counterculture, and it kind of comes at this idea of like, who gets to decide? And am I going to trust whatever the, some random book says? Am I going to trust or what God says? Uh, and what happens uh, later on uh, in the story, uh, there's a, a book called Judges, uh, which is a, tells about when things have kind of really gone out of the plan that God originally had. And it says in that day, in these days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit, which is pretty normal. That's what would be 
everyone just kind of looks at their own individual life and say, you know, I'm going to decide for me what is right and wrong. Uh, and I get that. Uh, I, I, would, I love to, like, espouse, like, okay, like, we, we're not supposed to be greedy, and I, and I don't believe people should be greedy. But I kind of want to determine myself what greedy actually is. And by the way, I would like to define greedy and not greedy as that it's okay to have a house that has air conditioning and heating, and it's, it's not greedy to have two cars, and it's not greedy to, you know, I opened up my closet this morning, and I have, I have to pick which clothes I'm going to wear. Uh, I want to be able to say it's, it's not okay to be racist. It's, it's not okay to, like, take other people, you know, in slavery, that's wrong. But I would kind of like to have a cell phone, and so I don't want to ask, like, too many questions about, like, who made the cell phone or, like, how it was made or, like, how they got the, the precious minerals to be able to, you know, make that phone. And I kind of want to determine on my own what is right and what is wrong. And if we went around the room, and you should do this when you get together with your community group, all of us would have some individual stories about times where we were looking at some sort of a situation and there was something in us that thought, I don't know if that's good or, you know, it, it kind of goes against what like, my, my mama told. That kind of goes against what I feel like God is telling me. But then we went ahead and we, like, we, we justified our decision. We kind of went and said, you know what, I'm going to determine what is right and wrong for me. And so part of what God's doing in this first initial command, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to trust me for what is right and wrong. When it comes to the knowledge of what you should do, I want you to do it in such a way where you are looking to me and me alone. Uh, then uh, the next step uh, to this. Uh, yeah, God wants to have the knowledge of good and evil. Let's skip to the next one. Uh, so God wants us, God put this tree there so that we can have a choice, so that we would trust him, choose to trust him, and so that we would have a relationship with him. Uh, this might seem a little like clunky to describe, but hopefully uh, this makes sense. Is that once we kind of get to that point where we say, okay, I'm going to trust God to decide what is right and wrong. Uh, because I believe that God's right and, and, and God's the smartest and God's the creator of the world, so I'm going to give him that ability. A temptation, I think, would be to say, okay, well then just like, Give me, like, the full list. I just, like, if God knows what's right and I don't, you know, if God knows what's wrong and I don't, like, okay, just, like, let me know what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do. Just kind of give me the full list. That way I'm not going to screw things up. Uh, here's how it comes out sometimes. Uh, sometimes people will want to get together with me for a coffee or lunch or something like that, and they'll ask some sort of a variation of one of these questions. Uh, they'll say, okay, I'm wondering, what does God say about, and they'll have some subject, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a sin thing, and they're trying to figure out, like, it, some people say this is wrong, some people say it's not wrong, but, like, what, what, do, you, what do you think God really says about it? Uh, or they're wondering, like, is blank a sin? Uh, because oftentimes, like, I kind of want to do that thing, but I don't really want to sin. It's so, like, kind of let me know, like, wh where does that actually stack up? Uh, or like, what is God's will for I'm trying to figure out what job I should do? I'm trying to figure out if I should move. And it's so, like, can you just like, give me like the answer, like, you know, flip to the back of the book, uh, you know, the old math book and it, show me what the original answer is. And over and over and over again, God often doesn't do that. And actually, when you look at the Bible, 
a lot of times you'll see that like there's like all these kind of different rules and different things in there, but it's not like exhaustive. Like there's things that's like we might put in that list that like aren't actually addressed in here. And there's some other things in here that like if you look at like one passage, it kind of addresses it this way, but then in another passage, it addresses it a completely different way. Uh, If you want to do a little bit of uh, extra credit, uh, if this sermon wasn't enough, uh, if you want to go listen to another sermon that we did, uh, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, uh, we did a sermon about listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, And you can see what it looks like on uh, YouTube. There's that, that, that was me in a flannel shirt. It's so much different. Uh, and uh, in that sermon, we brought up this idea of that we want to be people that are regularly taking time as part of the daily office and listening to what the Holy Spirit has to say. And we said that's incredibly important because there's lots of different issues that we would love to be able to like just know, what am I supposed to do on this? Like, what's right and what's wrong? And oftentimes, when you look at the Bible, it doesn't give us a clear answer. Uh, And we looked at at least three different uh, controversial uh, subjects uh, in that sermon. So we looked at greed uh, and what exactly does it mean? You know, like, how much money can you actually have and not be greedy? You know, what is it? How much money am I supposed to give away? Like, what's really the line. Uh, we looked at the idea of sexuality and, you know, who are you, who are you allowed to be attracted to, who are you allowed to be married to, you know, lots of different controversies around there. And uh, we talked about the idea of alcohol. And what we said in that sermon is that if you go around different church communities, people who follow the Bible, people who follow God, there's lots of different opinions about how you should address those subjects and many other subjects. And it's a little bit frustrating sometimes of like, okay, God, how come you didn't just like tell us what was right and what was wrong? And the reason is, and that's part of what uh, is going on here at the tree, is that God didn't want to just give us like the knowledge of good and evil. He wasn't just going to tell us like, okay, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. What God was after was not just us living morally. What God wanted is he wanted a relationship. God wanted us to trust him. Uh, and so again, looking at uh, our categories of why did God give us commands? Uh, God gave us commands, <coughs> excuse me, uh, not so he could control us. Uh, and thinking about kind of from like a different angle, um, Ashley and I uh, will celebrate uh, 20 years uh, of marriage uh, this coming December, which is uh, pretty exciting. And so, yeah, very exciting. Uh, and so when we look at our relationship, there is for sure rules in our relationship. Uh, there's rules about uh, how different responsibilities we should have around the house and how we're going to parent our kids and uh, expectations about how we're going to treat each other and how we're going to talk to each other and, you know, things that will happen on anniversaries and on birthdays and lots of different things that, like, could be categorized as rules. Could you imagine, like, what, like, a dysfunctional, crazy thing it would have been if on our marriage day we said, okay, here's all the different rules that I have established for you, Ashley, or here's all the different rules I have established for you, John. And the reason why I want you to do these is because of somehow I want to be able to, like, control you. Like, how screwed up would that be? Uh, or if we said, okay, why, why does God give us commands? It's because we can prevent fun of, all right, here's as we're getting married, uh, it might be, you know, it was fun for you to be single and you get, you know, like, man, now I want you to like 
you're like under my control. And so like I want you to, that would be like so screwed up. And it would be so screwed up if it was like all about trying to like keep score somehow. That the reason why we have quote unquote rules in our relationship is because of love. Because we want to flourish. The reason why I want to go out of my way to be able to do the things that Ashley wants is because of love, is because of flourishing. And the reason why God wants us to choose to love him, why he wants us to trust him, why at some level, as frustrating as it might be, he doesn't just give us the answers, is the reason God wants to walk alongside of us and to have a long-term, trusting, loving flourishing relationship with us. Uh, so uh, with that, I want to uh, introduce a prayer uh, that you can do uh, this week to kind of help us live into this. Uh, and this is from a, a passage uh, in Proverbs, uh, one of my uh, favorite passages actually in Proverbs. And this is something that we're going to practice praying right now. And then I want to encourage you to take time throughout this week uh, to pray for this, because I think this is the heart of this command that God has given us, is that God is, wants you to flourish in this world. And God loves you enough to help guide us of how to do that. And he wants us to trust him in how to do that. And so here's uh, the prayer. This is from uh, Proverbs chapter 3. It says, first, I want you to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That God wants us to take time to instead of looking at ourselves, God wants us to trust that he is good, that he loves us, and that he has a plan for us. And then therefore to not lean on our own understanding, which again can be difficult because there's times where what we think should happen makes so much sense to us, but yet like it counteracts what we feel like God is telling us or what God has laid out in scripture or it just feels so different. But we all have different stories about times where we went with something that felt right to us at the moment, and then a couple years went by, a couple months went by, maybe just the next day went by, and we're like, oh, that was, turns out I actually don't even know what's best for me sometimes. And so to lean not on our own understanding, and in all your ways, submit to him, and then trust that he will make your path straight, that he will help us Uh, So I want to give us just a few minutes to pray through those different categories. And before we do, just take a moment in where you're sitting and think about maybe some decisions that you have coming up over the next little bit. Uh, Maybe some of you are trying to make some decisions financially about what you should do with some of your money or what that might look like. Uh, Some of you are trying to make decisions about relationships. Uh, Maybe it's about a relationship that you're wondering if you should kind of take to the next level or if it's a relationship that maybe you should get out of. Uh, Maybe some of you are making decisions about the coming holidays and you're trying to figure out if you should invite them or not, if you should go or not, if you should try to open up that relationship again or if you should keep it closed. Some of you are making decisions about your careers. Uh, Some of you are making decisions uh, about just how you're going to handle a conversation over the next couple days. And you have an opinion about what you think it should, how it should go. The other people around you have decisions. Um, but what I believe is that God 
has an idea of how you should live into that. And he's asking you to trust his way. Uh, so let's just take a, a few minutes uh, and let's, however that looks like in your life, to pray this prayer together.